Hello world. Welcome to the Daring World podcast. With your host Frank Mondoze. Today I am very pleased to bring to you a talk conversation I had with a group of men. On April 28th I was invited by a dear brother Gil to address his men's group and to discuss a very important topic being leadership in times of crisis and uncertainty it's a longer talk with questions and answer uh, the first half of this podcast will be much more uh, broad macro level what it is uh to meet the world as a leader in times of crisis or uncertainty the second part of the conversation drills down a bit more specifically uh around what my thoughts are about the current crisis we're facing and the podcast ends on a very high and powerful note So without further ado I bring to you leadership in times of crisis and uncertainty. So I started this series uh, about 2 uh, weeks ago. Somehow we have now a men's group every other week. So my idea was to start bringing really extraordinary men that are thought leaders and do deep deep work with men uh, and today I invited Frank Frank has been a brother number of years he is an ista facilitator just got uh, good news that he's becoming a lead which is a huge achievement in this field um an entrepreneur uh founder of remember you know the men's workshops that I'm involved in and uh, we're developing together the retreat center in Costa Rica as a as a healing transformational space trust this man 100% have my back and always really really appreciate his courage in speaking his truth and leading men deeper into their freedom and self expression from a loving heart space uh, mm. i requested uh, frank to join us and give give his uh, his perspective on uh, masculine leadership in time of change and uncertainty please personally i find it extremely important to stay in the present moment now and really understand what's mine to do and what's my role in with so much uncertainty and change and frank has been uh, sharing a lot of perspectives online and in the communities he's leading welcome frank thank you very much gilly thank you for creating this space thank you brothers for showing up and trusting gilly's word that you're going to get something uh interesting here tonight um i want to be honest and transparent i've been in uh, the ista core gathering for the last week and it's daily meetings and whatnot so i didn't really have the chance to prepare for this the way I like to to really come with a, an agenda and and drive through a transmission. Um a lot of times when I do deliver I do just, you know, start to jam and it goes. So I just want to be uh I just want to name that so that we it could be a bit more like uh uh 
relaxed, if we, we could ha do some question and answer. Um, so maybe I start a, a bit about myself. Uh, Gilly, you said a lot of great things. Basically, I was an entrepreneur uh, for 15 years in a, a in the realm of sensual entertainment. I was a, an event producer and I created these events which were erotic performance art parties uh, that were about a thousand people minimum twice a year. And they really grew and they got popular and I, and I went into that because like the, the draw of, actually not the draw, but more the intention of creating a life for myself uh, that was uh, create uh, that I where I was surrounding myself with beauty, sensuality, and femininity. That was a clear decision I made, and I went into this journey. And a lot of people thought I was crazy. And after 15 years of that, well, before halfway through, I got a bigger call that told me that there's more that I could be uh, that I need to be looking at, learning, and then leading. Uh, and so I took a, the hero's journey into the unknown and I found the International School of Temple Arts, Sacred Sexuality, Tantra, and the whole nine yards. And since that time, which was around 2011, 2012, I uh, completely dedicated um, my personal, I, I completely dedicated myself to personal development. And I put myself in the field and I found some amazing mentors and I just went down that rabbit hole. And that experience really feels like it, you know, it upgraded me. It took me from Frank 2.0 to Frank 3.0. And so that's where I'm coming from. That's where I wanted to speak into it because I don't consider myself like a guru or special or I know anything. Let's just say I'm one of the boys and Gilly likes my perspective and he wants me to share with you guys. And so that's where I'm coming from. Nowhere else uh, and I'm highly, highly accessible and nor do I think that I have the answers, but I do track life force energy. I do track heart and I track integrity. And uh, this is, how I, I uh, radiate and I magnetize. And this is why Gil and I are so uh, close. So the topic you said was uh, leadership, man's leadership in the time of uncertainty. Yeah, and change, yeah. And change. A big one, but you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's probably your own you know, perspective and your own story of how you as a community leader and someone that is constantly traveling internationally and teaching all over the world and meeting hundreds of men every year. How do you lead life now in, in, in those times of uncertainty and change? Yeah, so I would say the, uh, where I will be coming from is from the experience of disillusionment. And what do I mean by that is when you go into the world with a certain uh, ideology or belief or hope that somebody outside of ourselves is gonna show us the path or guide us or save us or acknowledge us or uh, validate us, any of those. I'm coming from <coughs> the place of complete disillusionment and uh, recognizing 
that all of this energy is actually the, the cornerstone towards pain and suffering. And so why I'm starting here is because in a moment when we have um, uncertainty, crisis, whatnot, the instinctual, the, the knee-jerk reaction will be to um, figure out what is, what is fact, what's available, and then to build a story of safety and comfort around that and hold on to that because these, this is like our, our lifeboat if we're in the middle of um, a sinking boat a dinghy, whatever you want to call it. So the idea that when we are challenged, we're going to go for everything that um, creates comfort or the idea of safety. Now, I think that that's a natural thing to do like in the instant. So like there's, there's something that happens, even like COVID, fuck, lockdown, what are we doing? Okay. The first thing we did is like, we need to learn about the situation. It's like, what are we dealing with? What's the information? At least this is what I did. It's I went into information collection so that I know from uh, the first layer foundationally, which is safety, security, and survival, what I need the do's and don'ts to this situation where I could keep myself uh, the safest possible and I could be at service to my community. That to me was my first, my first movement. After I went into getting the research and getting reference points from brothers and allies, it's, then I went into the place of, okay, instead of trying to figure this out or what the plan is or what are we going to do post-COVID or what, what a business am I creating or how am I going to fill my Instagram with more followers during this time? Instead of doing that, uh, the next move I went into was uh, silence and introspection. And the, 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 the silence and introspection part was uh, beginning to track what was, what was alive for me. What did this create? What happened? Am I vibrating in a place of anxiety? Am I in panic? Am I um, flustered? Am I frustrated? What is going on in my emotional body? And so why I went to that next is because if I don't recognize what is going on in my emotional body, means that I am able to be taken with the storm of that emotional body. And the one thing that we could see culturally, whether it be social media or, uh, or mainstream media or whatever, there is a vibration of fear. And this vibration uh, uh, puts us into a position of holding on to a position. So it's like, this is the, 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 what I think is gonna be, keep us safe. And therefore I need to double, triple, quadruple down on this position because I'm moving from the fear perspective in my body that just wants to keep me safe. So I might not be coming from an absolute clear mind because I'm not grounded because my emotional body is off. So after, so I went into what's going on in my body and I went into the feeling sense of my body. 
I, I, I discovered what was up and I used different types of emotional release tools to move my emotions or my fear or my anxiety or my anger for fucking being locked down or whatever it was. And I moved those emotions so that I can then meet the situation from a more grounded approach. And so what I did after that was the listening piece. No longer only listening to the internal sense, but listening to what the media is saying, what is society saying, what's going on in the unspoken realms, if for lack of a better word, I'll call it the shaman, the shamanic or subtle realms. Like what's playing out here? So before taking any position, I went into the listening. And what emerged for me was the recognition that one of my responsibilities as an informed citizen or a citizen that wants to uh, be involved in the discussion or in the actions needed to play out was that I needed a very healthy dose of skepticism. And this is what Gil, uh, I think, got Gil interested in bringing me on the, conversa on the topic with you. And I've been quite controversial uh, online recently, but intentionally. And what I recognize is that in any moment of crisis, there is going to be parties whether they're in our personal life, the wife, the child, the in-laws or whatnot, or, and if it's a global situation or a national situation or state, provincial, whatever, there are always, I, my understanding or what I've noticed is there's always parties that will be vying for more power in moments of chaos. And so, if I walk in very naively or I walk in with an open heart and saying, okay, there's people here that have my best intentions for me. I have learned that we get the wool pulled over our eyes. Now it's not about not coming from heart, but it's about having a level of discernment of what's naivete and fear reaction to like let something concretize because I'm so fucking scared I just need to hold on something or it goes into like extreme paranoia so I'm saying a healthy dose of skepticism why a healthy dose of skepticism a healthy dose of skepticism what has brought for me was a it keeps me open because I can't be skeptical, skeptical and close-minded. So I'm open. So I meet the situation from, hmm, what else is here? Secondly, it um, brings out a curiosity. 
So if we say skepticism, paranoia, yeah, we're looking at it from the negative, but I'm not talking from that place. I'm talking about the natural uh, expressions of staying open and being curious. In the energy of curiosity, it has to take us down certain rabbit holes. And we have to also be discerning about what content we are consuming as well. And the role of skepticism is to keep any level of uh, authority in check. <clears throat> because authority that's not kept in check is only by nature going to go get more power where it's available. And in times of crisis, when individuals are in fear reaction and they recognize that they don't have control and the program or the system they are living in is quite vulnerable because they have to count on some other authority knowing better than themselves. And so after the skepticism for me is I go, I, I, I went, I do an information accumulation I compare all my uh, resources, the wild ones and the crazy ones. And for me, CNN and Fox are as wild and crazy as some conspiracy theory videos that you have on the internet. None of it is to be believed because all of it is not true. That's another thing that I have come into understanding is that none of it is true. And therefore, the attachment to any position that puts us into in opposition to the collective is really not the uh, qualities of a leader. If you've taken a position and you've, you're holding so tight to this position in the knowingness that you are not able to receive other information, without going into mass reaction or antagonism and attack, you have entered into a level of extremism. So I think a good leader is somebody in times of crisis, is somebody that can stay flexible and can listen to the public to, like, if there's a fear in the public, what's the fear in the public? To the collective unconscious, the collective consciousness, that you go into the, the subtle realms. It's, it, to be a leader, it's not only about driving with the fire, but it's also going into the, uh, the listening space, the, 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 play, the, the place of the holy man that goes into the silence and the reverence and the gratitude and the prayerfulness so that revelation can come. And when revelation comes, it is at that moment where we can then only consider to be into action because our movement comes from a soul call versus a personality that is reacting to something. So I've landed in a place where, if we talk about the current times, that I don't buy the current narrative, that... I do think that there's power agendas being played out. I do believe that the, the virus is very real. And so when I meet the world, considering who I am 
at this time and the character that I like to play is that I literally chose an archetype. And I think there are different archetypes for different moments. And I'm not saying that the archetype I have decided to take right now is the greatest leadership position in terms of community and whatnot, but I have also consciously made a decision to um, take a different role, which is provocateur. Because the provocateur is the one being, or the trickster for that uh, also, is the one being that could speak into the collective something outrageous and not be killed or beheaded because that's part of their job. Their jo they, they are recognized as individual that have to shake the narrative. So what I'm talking about is the position that I've taken, which is I've taken the position of provocateur from the, from the perspective of we absolutely have to question any of the superficial stories that are being told. Because when the media or social media is asking you to look towards the right, every magician knows that that's when they're doing the sleight of hand on the left. So they're obviously in any situation where there's power and control and whatnot, is that if you're looking towards where the smoke is, you might be missing where the, 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 the plotting is happening. So I've decided to look at everything and to be the devil's advocate, to be the person that's willing to go on the edge and speak for something that I feel uh, relatively confident about, but really can't speak from truth because we don't know until we know, until it's made uh, true. I mean, how many things did we, were we told that this was the official narrative and then years later, there's declassified documents and we recognize it's 40 years old. Nobody's going to do anything about that. Forget about it. But, you know, for example, the United States overthrew multiple governments. It's like, that's significant. I think I want to know that stuff. And if I knew that stuff, the way I moved in the world would be different. So for me, I am tired of uh, moving from the place of, being fed information versus doing the work to clear my emotional body so that I could be more grounded, so I could listen and then discern from all the information and come to a place of, oh, this feels like, sorry about that, this feels like the most possible situation. But now that we have the information, it's like, what now? And for me, that's where I am right now. In this crisis, that's where I am at. I'm still in the what now. I don't believe there's, a, there's any action to be taken yet. Only the continual listening and the studying of trends. Trends through how politicians speak. Trends to how, um, how uh, uh, spokespeople for different industries and different uh, solutions speak. So I'm only into the trends. That's where I'm at now. I feel like I want to just take a breath and open it up. Maybe Gil, you want to say some things or, you know, take over a bit. I just want to take a, a moment to allow that to drop in and see if I'm on the right track or the questions or whatnot.
Yeah, I mean, I wanted to know about your process in these days. And I love what you're sharing. I love around the, the response of first checking in, going into your inner world, meeting the places that needs to be cleaned and purified, and then going out and opening up a channel to receive the information. My curiosity, and then, you know, I'll open one question and then I want to open it for everybody is, what is the power of information in your space? Because you've been talking a lot about information. We, we all coming, you know, many of us are coming from a space of understanding the need to feel, to sense, to move energy, to uh, be aware of what's going on in our inner, inner uh, ecosystem and then meet the world. But you, you actually choose to engage in a lot of information from different sources. Yeah, regularly I don't regularly it's like i truly believe your reality is based on what you choose to consume however we're all in freaking lockdown we're in lockdown with you know we could go out and like not look at what's going on but i think that's almost like putting your head in the sand if you're if we're talking about leadership in a time of crisis for me information is where we get the knowledge piece. That's where we develop the knowledge piece. So to answer your question, this is about integration of our masculine and feminine. Because on one side, there is the knowledge component, which is very masculine. The masculine is able to do research. The masculine is able to do statistics, graphs, formulate, formulas, whatnot. Or, you know, so the masculine is going in so that when I say go get the information, it's like if your masculine is on and he wants to lead, he needs to go, go get information because what does a leader do, a chief or uh, of their, their tribe or whatnot? They need to survey the environment, know what's going on so that they can make um, conscious decisions for the tribe. Because there are other people involved in this situation that you need to, 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 to care for. On the other side, there is wisdom. <clears throat> and the wisdom is a more of a feminine trait. And it is more of the, uh, the, more of the sitting, the listening, and the experience. So from my perspective, in my situation, so the knowledge is the knowledge. And what's coming, where is my wisdom coming from in this situation? Let me, let me tune into that for a second. So I think fundamentally wisdom often comes from the experiential plane. You've lived something, you learn from, you know, bumping into a dead end experience, whereas the information is mine. When I tune into my wisdom, I look at the mistakes I've learned with authority in the past. I look at where I give away power to the authority and was, was, uh, how do you, um, was let down or disillusioned. And so my deep wisdom tells me that there's more. And so I need to explore. And we could also go deeper into the wisdom perspective of What's the wisdom the planet would want us to know in this time? 
regardless of agendas, regardless of conspiracy theories, what really is the wisdom of the mother, the mother earth? And that's one, something that you don't get by surfing the web or uh, you know, keeping yourself busy with activities over COVID. It's in that deep contemplation when you put yourself in nature and you're taking the walks and you're not looking for the solutions, but you're opening yourself for revelation to come through. So for me, wisdom is oftentimes the, the marriage between experience and the uh, revelation of uh, through the discernment or the interpretation of subtle information that is constantly communicating around us, especially in nature. Thank you. Man, any questions? Something is sparking in you that you want to ask Frank? Frank, thank you so much for your time and your insight. For bringing this gathering together, um, Frank, I have, I have one piece that I'm I'm grappling with amidst all of the the truths and projections and untruths, and um, smart enough to know that there's a the, the magicians um, concept and super curious about what is actually really going on. Know enough of the right people to understand there's some really fucking dark things going on, and really finding myself at times very challenged in I don't know where it ends when I jump down that rabbit hole and I get to a point where I'm like this actually isn't healthy for me um and I'm I'm fortunate I'm in Bali and so it's very easy to be in nature and be in the in um the real upswing of this downtime um and just be quiet and alone and and there's a lot of there's a lot of good that is sort of resonating through me because of this kind of forced space um and then the days where i pull my head out of the sand so to speak and dive into all of the the media the research the information gathering these pieces um i love i have a certain bandwidth and then it's like fuck there's just it, and then i'm like left with almost the extreme uh, polarities of either head in the sand or like over over anxious and i'm just curious whether you uh, whether you experience anything like that or how you actually navigate that um when and if you do yeah absolutely thank you very much for the question great question because those rabbit holes yes they can be like oh my god they, they drain so much energy and one thing that i've learned is oftentimes they're di disempowering because it creates an outside enemy that you that will never be able to beat or uh it just puts us into such a uh demotivated perspective of how sad uh, where we are and whatnot whether from the even if we're just looking at the quality of reporting how sad it's like a heartbreak in regards to like the freest country in the world and not even being able to get access to like quality journalism that's like a serious issue and so one way i've chosen to deal with this so here's the thing it's like our reality we have actually we're actually meeting life from multiple realities and so it's a bit unfair to just speak from the leadership perspective uh, in the personality and 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 leave it there so where i'm going to go to right now 
is ultimately the spiritual perspective. And, you know, I'm hesitant to go to it because I don't want it to be a bypass. And if you feel it's a bypass, let's go at it, okay? Because we need to do this. From the personality perspective, when we meet these situations, it's like, oh my God, I'm enrolled, I'm enraged, I need to fix, something out there is wrong, I absolutely need to get involved. And what happens is, those are usually the people that go towards activism. And so, as amazing as activism uh, was in history, it, it's not real for me. I don't think that that is anymore the um, the the passageway towards transformation because it is actually putting yourself against something. And so, the minute you put yourself against something, boom, you've sold out to the duality and the fact that you are we are so in this world. Um, Give me one second, I got to choose which path I want to go down. So the soul, so let's, I'm on the second level now, we're on personality, and then the soul. The soul, if you're able to access the soul, the soul will look at the situation and um, it, will be in the, it will be in the witness. There's going to be no emotion connected to the soul's perspective of, what's playing out and so if we meet the situation from a more soul perspective it would be like okay i am meant to know this information because it brings me to greater consciousness by accumulating this consciousness i'm actually contributing to the collective consciousness so that when actually this information starts to emerge that there won't be this like Oh my God, hell no, this can't be, you're wrong. And then there's more oppositions and more sides and whatnot. But the real true, what I call, what I would say the, uh, for lack of a better word, trump card, joker, whatever you want to call it, the true trump card is the piece of actually, from the spiritual perspective, this is all Leela. It's all the Maya, it's the play. We are literally in the play. So if we get, so I love to get the information because I think awareness is super important. If I'm going through life with no awareness, what kind of quality life is that? I'd rather be going through life with awareness without, without letting it hook me into the drama of the experience because ultimately I know that my role here, and let me know if I'm jumping too far, but ultimately I know that my role here is as a extension of the divine universe, source, whatever, to get to know itself through sensations, emotions, uh, and, and, and the experience of life. So when we get hooked and go into the pain and the suffering, we're not really living into the potential that is our raison d'etre, which is to be vibrating in the vibration of love and expansion. So what I would say to you, Pete, is go down the rabbit holes and I give you permission to let it go that it's not your responsibility. The only responsibility you have is to be aware. 
I want to speak to, yeah, so I think the court, if we, if we got to take one piece out of this talk, because, you know, it's very important to mine the gold, I want to take one piece as to how man's role in the leadership and crisis uh, in times of crisis would be how can you expand your capacity to hold your center in the midst of chaos and that's a practice because anytime we're coming from the yelling and screaming not uh, you know uh, literally but the metaphorical or uh, perspective of people freaking out and needing to take a position from one place to another they haven't really honed the skill of expanding your body your emotional body's capacity to hold your center for the chaos which means when fear comes up not to fight flight or freeze but to be with it and move it if um, you know, so as these things emerge, the more you get these tools and you practice these tools, the more you will learn and find that it, do it doesn't matter what's coming. You'll just be like, oh, that's just a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy that's showing up that's asking me to be more present and to be able to hold for this to until it moves it's like when there's a storm you got to brace yourself and be and you got to lock down or go into the storm shed or whatever you want to call it and you got to brace and you got to lock down and brace until it passes but what i'm saying is as leaders as male leaders in this world that want to hold the point for transformation in crisis it's like can you stand in the center of the storm regardless of what's coming to you and keep your emotional body so current that nothing can really stick to you and take you off your center and then therefore you are moving from reactionary space versus a clear centered space and that centered uh, silence knowingness comes from the fact that your two feet are on this planet and this planet has never failed to feed us ever and that we are connected to something greater than us and when we move in the world from the place of consciousness awareness presence and integrity integrity being the key word for me that one way or another we will be taken care of even if it means experiencing a lot of pain because sometimes these cracks these these pains are exactly what crack us open to the next level and the next um the expanded capacity to love and that is what's really being called for the real call is can we expand our capacity for love in the times that are unknown? Can we expand our capacity to love in the times of when we are actually uh, having the knee-jerk reaction and move towards fear? So when I take my role of the provocateur online, it really is because I am holding the point to say, who's, who's afraid out there? 
your reaction will show it and it and i'm also offering a place where people could unload it and i don't think that that's a healthy thing to do like don't put yourself in the place to be unload upon unless you're doing a social experiment and that's what i'm doing i i i feel like i've expanded my capacity to hold a lot of projection anger you know pointing making wrong blaming and shaming and i'm like okay what happens when I take, when I stand in the storm and I hold the point for critical thinking? Because right now we need more of it. If people are taking, ingesting Lysol as disinfectant because Trump said something in passing, man, I think there's a, a, a deep lack of critical thinking. So I am, I'm standing point for critical thinking before action and especially before reaction. And that takes presence, expanding your capacity for uh, the chaos and integrity. So it's interesting, Frank, what comes up for me is that you say that actually being in the fire of the projections and the anger and the fear train you to come out with an open heart and offer love. Yes, but I, I know yet, well, the, 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 the source of where it's coming from, it's love. It's actually ruthless love. It's a, it's a dark love, you know, it's not ruthless, it's dark. It, but, and I've also chosen right now, me personally, and not saying that this is part of the topic, is that I've taken to actually go into a satire. Because one thing I learned is that you can't tell the truth if you're not making somebody laugh or giggle or say, hmm, is he serious or he's not serious? And where you see that mostly is in comedians. Comedians are the beings in the world that could say anything. And then they'll all say, but it's a joke. But we all know what makes a joke funny is the fact that it's linked partially in, com uh, in truth. And so I have literally chosen to take on the archetype and experiment with that. But yes, the projections, the arrows that, I that I've had to receive in my life has opened me up to more love because it w those situations cracked my heart, broke my heart, through the disappointment and the disillusionment and the betrayal and whatnot, that it just made, it could have made me go two ways, more closed and bitter, which I had moments of, I did. I was closed and bitter for years of my life until I got the, um, the, the tools uh, that we share at Remember, till I got the tribe to get the reflections and so on and so forth. And then, instead of going into the bitterness and the, 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 the wall, the shell, it just made, I, I went into the surrender because ultimately I realized, I, I understood humanity and like everybody is human. Donald Trump, who everybody, who everybody's favorite person to hate on is actually just a human and he's under no obligation to, um, to like do it anybody's way except his way because he knows his way and that's how he's become successful. So he's got to operate in his standard. 
if people are going to start freaking out because they don't like the fact that their president is not stoic and graceful as like their last president, for example, well, that's holding on to a, a, a lot of something which you have no control of. So instead of going into the place of resistance around, oh, he's so dumb and he's embarrassing, like get over that piece, recognize his humanity, you know, how he got there, why he got there. That's a different conversation. But now that's what you got. And so it's like, are we going to continuously break down our leader or are we going to actually pay attention and say, what actually is his agenda? And his agenda might be selfish and egotistical and narcissistic as well. However, there might be something behind it uh, that is uh, truly patriotic and American and America first, which looks like, for example, giving away less of American tax dollars to the rest of the world because they're supposed to be the superpower while other people are building their resources and finances uh, you know, and, and becoming the next superpower. So I think that uh, there are, there's gems and there's shit in everything. There's good and there's bad in everything. And when we come from the perspective of knowing for sure, that's when actually we, we stop knowing. So for me, it's like, I, I, I never come from the place where I'm sure. And if I am sure, well, then I take actions that can put me more in ease which looks like, okay, what's going to put, what's going to make me happier? Look, watching the news and listening to this dumbass talk all the time is not making me happier. So I got to stop doing that. And I need to stop consuming that stuff. So there's a dance between information getting, being aware, conscious, and then putting yourself in suffering. Because ultimately, if you're putting yourself in suffering, then you shouldn't do it. My relationship with the whole Donald Trump and, you know, the, the, the charade and the, 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 the drama that is politics is entertainment. And I know that that's fucked up to say because actually people's lives are affected. Yes and no, because we're constantly affected by a million and one things that we don't control anyway. So I look at it as entertainment. And when it's no longer entertainment and it started to uh, create dis-ease, uh, a lack of ease in my body, that's when, I, that's when I tune out. And that's when I go into the quantum physics of creating the world that I want to create. But right now, I'm literally consciously, clearly saying that my role I've chosen is to be um, a bell or a rattler of cages or a flag or something, you know, saying, hey, let's go deeper. Thanks, Frank. So we, you talked about trends and one of the, I mean, you're leading workshops all over the world. You're leading uh, transformational retreats, both for men, conscious sexuality and your own content. Um, where do you see this industry is going? Where do you see a lot of us like to travel to workshop festivals, uh, we're building con intentional communities. Yeah, Ian so is in Costa Rica building an intentional community. You know, we plan to do one in Costa Rica. How do you see that that type of life that we were so relying on continue? Yeah, so this is the place where I would say this is where I'm still in the unknown. Mm -hmm. And 
I've decided not to like work towards figuring that out. Where I'm working, where I continue to work towards is like, where is my heart call? My heart call is to uh, put conscious, intentional um, community together and put an acupuncture point, an acupuncture, acupuncture needle into the ground of Costa Rica where we're doing our thing. So that's a soul call. I feel that. I understand that. But besides that, in terms of where's workshops going to go, I don't know. There's one side of me that says now that we've busted the idea that we absolutely need a vaccine in order to move forward, thanks to President Trump in large part, in my opinion, uh, I feel like we have a greater opportunity to going back to normal or the closest thing to normal than, uh, than ever before. I think that um, we still need to get to know this virus. This virus continues to mutate. One of its uh, characteristic traits is that it's chimeric. It changes based on hosts, uh, possibly. I know that there's three strands already. And it's wild because the strand that's in, in, in Hong Kong is not the strand that's in the East Coast of the United States, which is not the, and it's not the same strand that's in the West Coast of the United States. So it's really fucked up. It, it, it's questionable. So I really don't know. Uh, I think ultimately we need to look at this virus that is going to be part of the realm of the virus and fungal and bacterial worlds that we live with every day. And, um, and as we get more statistics and as we get, garner more immunity, I think we will get closer to normal than, thought, than we thought. That's one perspective. The other perspective is that as fall comes, so we go through summer and then fall comes and we get that second uh, cold season, that because we have the flu and COVID, if COVID comes back in like a vengeance, that's when I think they'll probably lock us down again. Uh, so they might do this accordion thing. But I'm hoping that when they release us, that ultimately this herd immunity, herd immunity thing will actually pick up. I can tell you I'm living in Quebec, Canada, and pretty much they've decided, they haven't announced it yet, but they've pretty much decided that we're going towards herd immunity. And thank God for Sweden to have demonstrated that. Thank God for a control group that actually had the, 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 the cojones to say, actually, we're not gonna go in the agenda of lockdown, close down, predictive models, all coming from the who and Gates and all that jazz. Where's Gates right now? We haven't heard him talking as much as we did in, the, in a month ago or two weeks ago because there was a lot of pushback. Nobody wants this idea of no new normal until we get a vaccine. So I think that is gonna be a, a much harder um, reality to implement than saying we're going towards herd immunity. I think that story has kind of, if, when I do the listening, it's kind of past, unless people with agendas roll out another plan to make their last last ditch effort which i feel that there was capitalization on a a crisis 
and we really don't have all the answers yet. I'm really looking forward towards the investigation of what goes on with the WHO, what happened in China, and where this actually goes from. But I like one of the pieces that you say, and this is also something that I heard uh, that will happen, is as these um, antibody tests start to become more uh, available and more precise and, and quicker, I think that's what's gonna end up happening. There will be like test kits given to, you know, organizers and leaders of communities and churches and stuff like that, where if it's where people are really concerned, they will have tests before uh, being admin uh, administered, uh, let in. And I kind of almost find this sad because what I saw in a curve that has nothing to do with COVID was that from let's say call it year 1999 and earlier there was always this realm of exclusivity that's how we sold higher ticket items that's how we uh, made uh, certain venues more hip more clue, uh, cool it was this exclusivity you could get in but they can't get in and there was always like some reason of why okay as the 2000s came as the new age started to hitting on a new trend of inclusivity has been playing in which came with identity politics and all of that so we went through a deep inclusive uh, piece where i feel that there was a, a the the, inclu the inclusivity mo movement outside of the uh, the, uh, the identity politics but the inclusivity movement was really starting to get a lot of momentum and that really people were starting to understand of you know releasing uh, barriers of entry for togetherness and what where i'm kind of mourning is that this was the is probably the most traumatic thing you could do towards for inclusivity because what have we taught kids for the last six weeks especially kids be under eight years old under 10 years old no 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 don't, don't go touch them no 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 you got to wash your hands and so this energetic of like fear in this invisible thing has really uh, i feel will create a traumatic split where um, there will be a, a greater difficulty to get our bodies back together and a greater difficulty to just be casual with each other in, in each other's companies. But it could, it could go two ways. Again, it could go that way, which I do see it happening. Like all my high school friends, for example, and their kids that they don't want to send their kids back to school because they're scared and da 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 and then you have the absolute rebels that feel like, for example, like live free or die. Like for me, it's like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want any authority outside of me telling me what I need to do, which looks like hunkered down in my own four walls to protect me. 
or I don't want anybody to tell me I need digital identity to protect me, or a vaccine in the la that was developed in the last 12 months to protect me. I want to really tune into how I want to protect myself, because ultimately this goes down to the conversation of freedom, sovereignty, versus perceived security. And we all know that the story of perceived security is subjective and exactly the way authority, uh, authorities start to rein in the control. When you are ready to give up your civil liberties for the idea that the state or a government or a daddy needs to take care of us. And ultimately, when we understand what the crisis is, when we've been educated, when the information is here, in the end, if you stand for something, you will need to take a position, but not against, but a position for what you, what you stand for yourself. So if I stand for connection and unity, well, then I will say, I am hosting a temple, and at this temple, you are welcome to come, and we may or may not do testing uh, at the forefront. We might, we're going to have conversations. And at the end, all, if I want to protect my mom, I'm not going to go visit my mom, because that is uh, something that maybe I don't want to risk her life. So it's one thing to risk my life because I want to be free and I want to live because I don't want to live dead. Like I don't want to be dead when, while I'm alive. I'd rather live and get the years that I get, whether it be 40, 50, 60, or 80. So I want to live. I want to live while I'm young. I'm 42 years old. I'm in my prime. There's nothing in my body that's telling me that I need to stay in lockdown now that we flatten the curve. Flattening the curve for me was a responsibility so that we don't overwhelm hospitals. We're still in this dance of, okay, will it peak? Will it spike? So we still have to be compassionate, listening, patient, tolerant, but there will be a moment where that won't work anymore. And statistically, or, or a, a study that I read, and I don't remember where I saw it, but it said that you can't keep a population in lockdown for more than 60 days without uh, having them go to the streets. And we've already started to see it. And it's not even 60 days. It's like 40 days or 30 to 40 days. So I'm in the place of live free or die, baby. And I recognize on the other side, that some people will say that's selfish. And I get why they're saying that. And they're entitled to that, this, that, that position. And it possibly, you can possibly make an argument for that. But the cornerstone of that argument is that, so who's at risk? Older and uh, people that are immunocompromised. That has to represent a very small minority of the majority of the population. So for me, it makes no sense to lock down the, 
the whole population when there's a segment of the population that needs to be protected. So where the conversation, where I would like to see the conversation evolve to is how do we protect that segment without closing down the world because we're afraid? Because we've been sold to believe through predictive models that there's going to be 2 million deaths. Like, we got to care for the people that are at risk and we need to allow the people that are not at risk or don't know that they're at risk to make their own choice from themselves. Because that's what life is. You choose to get in a car. You choose to get in a plane. You choose to make love without a condom. Why would this be any different? Why do I need to be tagged on this? Thank you, Frank. I have a last question. And one of the things that really uh, triggered me and almost pissed me off is male bodies that were designed to be hunters and warriors over thousands of years are scared of fucking germs. Like, seriously. And for me, that was like a moment of like, whoa, how are we as a man population on earth emasculating ourselves, giving away our power and literally allowing, you know, the government to lock us down to protect us like from like, so how do, how do, how do even women relate to us now? It's like, it's like, it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's so deep in the consciousness. I won't even and, go. I won't you know, go thank God. Thank God. I'm coming from a culture where you you go to war uh, in a very young age, and you so there's much less fear. That's the only time I was probably grateful for that. You know, the PTSD is not worth it, but there is something there to actually say about those are like germs and from nature and it's understood we want to protect the women and children or old people, but as men get locked down, it's very challenging for the primal body. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. And so I, I think this is the, the perfect place to come to a conclusion. Yeah. Because ultimately this, this whole hysteria mm. that we are seeing and, and we're seeing like what you said, man, I saw this meme that showed uh, when they brought in income tax uh, in the 19 whatevers and you see like all the men of the time like rebelling and in and in war and now you see like COVID and you see all these like white collar guys and they're like ah, COVID. so it's like exactly <laughs> what you're talking about so bottom line I think the fundamental piece here when we look at the COVID hysteria is uh, our relationship with death this is the fundamental piece of why we're seeing what we're seeing. Culturally, when we look at our monotheistic uh, Judeo-Christian religions, we have been put in this idea that the afterlife potentially is scary or something to be concerned about as your soul may or may not be eternal and so on and so forth. So this, we, I think collectively, whether you're atheist, agnostic or whatever, I think collectively we have religious trauma. And that religious trauma, uh, what I mean is that it's, it's quite embedded into the, our DNA. Like it takes seven generations to clear something out of uh, your DNA. 
And so our fear of death comes from what we have been, uh, how we have been mentored spirit, uh, spiritually or religiously. And so when we come to the understanding, so I'll present this this way, you don't have to believe or buy in, but it, when we come to the understanding or if we subscribe or maybe even flirt with the notion that potentially our whole 180, 90 years of lifespan here in this body might be equivalent to a night's sleep for the soul, the soul. And so when death comes and we, it might be actually that moment where we come awake and like, oh my God, what a fucking trip that was. And it's like, oh, this is the reality. This is the realness, the vibration of love uh, being fully it. And so the mystery and the unknown of death has always come with anxiety and fear versus an invitation and or, or a celebration. And so we all want those years and we all don't are all don't want to give it up. And I found the greatest way to uh, be in that is when we're when we recognize that death can actually possibly be the awakening back to ourselves out of the dream now that's not to say that when not death is knocking at the door when death like the when we're in one situation or another where death is knocking at our door that we're not gonna shit bricks that's okay it's really, really okay to be like fearful in the moment of our death. But to go through life trying to avoid the death at every corner, it's like what I've been telling people, it's like death is at our doorstep every day. It's just that we just choose to avoid it or not look at it. And now that COVID is around and, and it's been politicized and mediatized and corporatized or, you know, like finding ways to make business off of it. Well, then it's like you, we see how uncomfortable we are with the idea of our mortality. And I would say the biggest gift we could give ourselves is to start to get comfortable with our mortality. Ah, thank you, Frank. Appreciate your time there in uh, East Coast time, Montreal almost 10 p.m. You gentlemen, man, that I love, thank you for showing up, as always, giving your attention and time. I hope that you got some really cool downloads and codes. Uh, I learned a lot. And uh, yeah. We learn from each other. That's what I love about Remember, is that, you know, there's four of us that sit in front of the room, but the reason we put four and not two and not one and not three is because when it's four, the power is diluted. And when we dilute the power towards the four of us, then actually we could allow ourselves to melt into the full circle. So we deliver content, we deliver and we take you through processes. And then we also create spaces where the wisdom of our brothers can emerge. Because the one thing that Gil, myself, Nimai and Philippe know is that we know we don't have the answers. What we do have is a fucking fiery heart 
and passion to help to support our brothers to greater mastery around their emotional body and and their and their consciousness their self-awareness so that they could move into the world more powerfully without leaking their energies to the stories that disempower us and so how do we become most effective in our life and 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 uh, operate as creators versus victims and and this is the image of god this is the image of source and divine and whatnot so when i i i just wanted to reiterate that what you're getting from me and gilly is passion and maybe some experience but let us be clear that you have as much wisdom through your experience and remember is about all of us harvesting each other's wisdom in that in that five days so that we could go out into the world having supported each other's co-creation i love it your passion your fire your commitment for men to wake up and grow and be in their sovereignty and power and uh, enjoy a lot of pleasure in this journey thank you frank i want to thank you very much for sticking around and uh, staying connected to this conversation if any of this really inspired you i invite you to reach out and join uh, the remember brotherhood journey you could uh, find all information on this amazing adventure at rememberjourney.com feel free to like comment and share if you'd like to know more about my happenings you could visit frankmondose.com it's my portal to the daring world podcast the spiritualplayboy.com which is a youtube web series uh, where i put out one episode per week a bit of my life adventures thank you so much for listening follow me on facebook and remember let love free it's the only way we'll ever change anything peace